You are now entering the world of Musings of a Geek Podcast Network. Stay geeky, my friends. This is 40 going on 14, and I am Mike. I'm Patrick. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh. And I was pleased to learn that The Tonight Show has a succession order, kind of like the British royal family. And I'm about 5,000th in line. And I plan to raise my way to the top through a series of assassinations and double crossings. But I'm pretty sure Amy Schumer could take me. Oh, well. But does she want you? I'd still get the job before Letterman. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> And well, Chris Rock, apparently. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I am a white guy. Yep. Yeah. I don't know if you guys heard that. That was that was awesome. That he's just happy to see more white guys on late night TV. <laughs> oh, good to know. If you haven't picked up on that, our show this week is late night TV. Yeah. We're oh, going. Craig. Oh. Uh, so we're going. Uh, we're 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 going to chat about the beginning. Talk talk about Jack Parr, and we're going to go all the way to uh, whoever the hell James Corden is. I don't know if any of us have any of us watched that. Commissioner well, Gordon. I some of this, some yes. of his stuff, yeah, but yeah. I haven't watched the show. Commissioner Gordon, his talk show. It's really interesting. It's great until halfway through the show where he gets kidnapped. <laughs> All right, so late night talk show. That's the topic. Mm. You know where you can find talk shows at any time of day or night. <laughs> I see what you did there. Where? Where, Josh? On the musings of a geek podcast network. Hmm, that sounds interesting. Tell me more. Oh, you can find such shows as the Pittsburgh Nerd Pod, the Arkham Social Hour, Graphic Novice, Sad Robot Radio, Culture Babble, Outlandish Conversations, Green Up, and Dark Angels and Pretty Freaks. But what about a sports <laughs> podcast? Well, you could find the Left Field Sports Lounge, but if you've been following our advice for the last six months, you've been listening to the same episode over and over again because that's the last time they updated. <laughs> yes, you are correct, sir. <laughs> I keep listening to hope there's some sort of like switch up that I haven't heard yet. They're going to like do the entirely the same show and then in halfway through they change it up. That joke sounded a lot better in my head. <laughs> I have no idea what you were talking about. I I disagree that that was even a joke. <laughs> I, I do too. So well, if, if you'd like to hear Mike fumble at other jokes, you can find our <laughs> archives at iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, or TalkShoe. Yes. Other fine fine podcasting directors. And uh, if you want to call us and uh, leave us a message about your opinion on the previous show or suggestions for shows that we may do in the future, please call us at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. And you can also get us at at 40go14.com. And, uh, no, at 40go14, where am I, what am I talking about? 40go14 right. at gmail.com. <laughs> The at confusing for a second at forty go fourteen at Twitter and then on Facebook just look up forty going on fourteen. But what if I'm at home on Saturday at noon? Well, well usually that's what I'm parasailing. <laughs> I'm bungee jumping. Mike found himself in fucking Bed Bath and Beyond last week. <laughs> <laughs> that's 
close. <laughs> though, though, I made the best of it. I'm because they have these displays for these uh, speakers and stuff. You know, the the uh, kind of chintzy plastic speakers you're supposed to put in your house, and you'll blue, you can Bluetooth in and play your music from wherever. Well, I tested to see how far they would go and how loud the speakers were. So the one biggest one that was up there had a Bluetooth connection on it. So I turned up all the volume on it, hooked up my phone to it, and then walked like 50 feet away to the other side of the store. And Katie would signal me when she saw somebody walking by there, and I would hit play on my phone. And Please we tell me what new pussycat. And what uh, did you hit play <clears throat> with, Michael? Uh, it was uh, Uptown Funk. Because that's what I had on my phone at the time. And it was Saturday at noon. What did you hit play with, Mike? (laughs) (laughs) I know what you're doing, Josh. I I hit play to put on our show because it was at noon on Saturday. (laughs) Um, (laughs) On whatever it was that's supposed to be written right there. Geek Life Radio. Oh, my Jesus. We're sorry, Geek Life Radio. We really do love you. We do love you, Geek Life Radio. I was having a seizure. First time on the riverboat, Mr. Maverick? (laughs) That's my line. Holy shit. (laughs) Oh, Oh, my God. Is it about that time? Yes, it is. Somebody should really explain to Mike how this stuff works. (laughs) Fuck you. (laughs) Just for that, where'd it go? This again. Music. Movies. <laughs> and TV. And sports. Yay. Wow, we haven't heard that one in a while. I know. I forgot about that one. Completely did. So the Josh Step Remix. <laughs> but no, either way, I actually was doing that. And it was awesome because we had one of the one of the younger crew members there was trying to figure out how the hell to turn everything off. And she would like turn a knob and I'd pause it. And then she'd walk away. And the second she got two steps away, I'd start playing it again. She'd run back there to try and turn it off. Nice. And we didn't get kicked out. <laughs> so this weekend, we're looking at, what, May 22nd, 1992, which would have been the day Johnny Carson did his last show. Yes. So the last show of Johnny Carson on the Tonight Who show. was his last guest ever? Um, Raul Julia. <laughs> uh, oh, oh. Um, <clears throat> Jay Leno. Nope. Uh, Jerry Seinfeld. Nope. Jason Voorhees. Nope. There's a female. Uh, Jason Voorhees. <laughs> it was Bette Midler. Really? Oh, I should have guessed that. Did she sing Wind Beneath My Wings? <clears throat> uh, she sang something to him. I can't remember what. I think it was Wind Beneath My Wings. Yeah. Hmm. What else could it have been in 1992? Exactly. Right. So uh, music in 1992. The number one song in the land is Jump by Criss Cross in the middle of a two-month run. The uh, backwards clothes-wearing duo is Knocked Off the Throne by Mariah Carey's cover of I'll Be There. Just call my name. Wow. I'll yeah. be there. That was, not, that was more of a lateral move, in my opinion. I just got this image of, like, crisscross both sitting together on a toilet and being, like, checked off it by Mariah Carey. <laughs> See, I didn't go there at all. Yeah. Dark Secret. Wait, who doesn't like Mariah Carey's version of I'll Be, I'll be There? I don't. I don't think I care for her much. I'm not a huge Mariah Carey fan, though. What? Yeah, me either. Yeah, I don't Shut your mouth! Now, Dark Secret, somewhere out there. Do you remember going to um, Six, Six Flags? And mm-hmm. they used to have those recording studio things. Yes. <laughs> Somewhere God. out there, you know where this is going. Yep. It's a recording and me and one of my buddies doing jump. Oh, I was hoping it was going to be you and Matthew. <laughs> no, no, it was one of my one of my friends doing jump and uh, signs. 
on the on the other side. And the good news is, is that back then wait, everything wait. came on what? Were you doing? I saw the sign by Ace of Base. No, no, no signs. Okay, because that reminds Joel of a story about us. We go and <laughs> no, don't start that shit again. <laughs> We're not going back there, dude. Come no, on. Although I, even though that's I wasn't a Mariah Carey fan, I am a fan of her song "Heartbreaker." That's that's my guilty Mariah uh, Carey pleasure. I like I like most of Mariah Carey's music. <clears throat> She's got pipes. But um. So well, there's, I've talk, talked about how there's, there's two cassettes out there of me in one of those recording studios when I was like 10 or 12. Yeah, but that's doing, you masturbating. Nobody wanted to hear that. <laughs> no. Theme for the Monkeys, California Girls. Uh, what was that? Someday by Glass Tiger. And I forget the other song, but. Jesus Christ. Glass Tiger. Uh, it was before I hit puberty. So if you can imagine. The other song was OPP. <laughs> no, I did not do OPP. I did, I did uh, F the Police, actually. <laughs> Nice. Right after California Girls. So, yes. uh, also in music, Weird Al Yankovic begins his dun 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 acronym of the week tour on May 26. O T D E. That would be Otis the Dick Emperor. <laughs> it's a little that's known a, character he did. I thought that was that's an the sequel to Milo and Otis. <laughs> now, is he an emperor that's a dick or is he emperor over all the dicks? I, I believe he is an emperor of a kingdom of dicks. <laughs> tick, 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 tick. How many dicks is that? A lot. A lot. And also in uh, Guinness World Record is made as rap singer Tongue Twista raps 597 syllables in 55.12 seconds. What's cr- I've never heard Twista referred to as Tongue Twista. Just interesting. Like, I'm familiar with him. And he, yeah, he raps fast. Oh, he, well, that was <clears throat> what the internet search turned up for me. I've never heard of him before. He's no Watsky. But he is fast. Okay, so no movies. <laughs> Joel, I want you to read the first one. The top movie is Lethal Weapon 3. Okay, 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 okay. Is that Jerry Lee Lewis? <laughs> no, dummy, that was Woody Allen. Oh. Oh. Jeez. I hated I... Lethal Weapon 3. Why? It was fucking annoying, that's why. Uh, is Joe Pesci just annoyed me. Yeah, that was a very annoying character. Well, he was annoyed yeah. by you, too. And speaking that, of that it, should have been a one movie character and it would have been a lot less annoying. Yeah. <laughs> he made it through three movies, didn't he? Yeah. I don't think he was in the first or was he in like three, four, and five? Yeah, three, was, four, yeah. and five. Yeah. Two, so. There was only four movies, dudes. What? Was he in two? There was Lethal Weapon one, two, three, and four. There was no five. Then oh, what well, the then. hell did I watch? <laughs> <laughs> Far and Away, Alien 3, and Encino Man are all released on May 22nd of 1992, because as you can tell, our tastes was just through the roof at this point. Buddy. Alien 3 pissed me off beyond all belief, because... Let's take three characters that we have an intense emotional attachment to and aliens and just kill them. Yeah, kill, just kill them off in a shitty way in the first 10 minutes. Yep. Yep. Off screen. Yeah. Yep. Uh, off screen. You know all those people that you you loved and fought and watched fight for their lives? Oh, yeah, they're dead now. <laughs> yeah, we didn't tell you about that? No, sorry. Okay. In the meantime, yeah. Amy Fisher shoots Mary Jo Buttafuoco in the face in Massapequa. 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 Massapequa is just down the road from Massapequa. Okay. Long Island, sparking a litany of the first wave of made-for-TV movies about real-life crime drama. And uh, celebrity porn, Joy Buttafuoco. Didn't he get his dog? Didn't he get uh, his dong cut off? Actress, no. No, that was John Bobbitt. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, there were oh, the stories were around the same time. 
Yeah, yep. maybe I'm thinking of Bob. It. <clears throat> Not yeah, Bob made a porno, and Amy Fisher made a porno. I don't think Butterfuko, Joey Butterfuko made it. Hey, Mike. Uh, yeah. Drew Barrymore played oh. uh, Amy Fisher, though, in a made-for-television movie. Hey, Mike. Yeah. Knock, knock. Who's there? Bang! <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Amy okay. Fisher. Okay, okay. <laughs> That's, we were a real high-class group out there in 92. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> TV, the top shows are 60 Minutes, Roseanne, Murphy Brown, and Cheers. Wow. And then uh, Jay Leno picks up hosting duties on May 25th as The Tonight Show with Jay Leno premieres. Which sounded like a good idea at the time. Well, they initially just signed on his chin. But there was a writer within there that said the rest of them had to come along, too. It, it, it made them a big, big hit in middle America, and they made a shit ton of money, so it wasn't an awful deal. That's fair. And, uh, There's an exercise in mediocrity, but it definitely made them a lot of money. Yeah. USVP Dan Quayle opens his mouth and once again shoves his foot squarely in it by attacking Murphy Brown for being a single mother and as a poor example of family values. Thanks, Dan, for keeping up the reputation. <laughs> Spell potatoes. <laughs> in sports, the 38th Mazda LPGA Championship is won by Betsy King on May 17th. There you go. There's more. On May 22nd in New Jersey, 13 California Angels players and managers are injured as one of the two buses the team was riding in drove off-road and into an orchard in the early morning hours. That was near Massapequa, huh? Or was that near the other place? Massapequa. Yes, that thank too. you. I couldn't even say it right. She helped uh, Lewis and Clark, didn't she? <laughs> what the hell, Joel? You've been, like, funny the last couple shows. <laughs> Massapequa is actually Algonquin Indian for let us all come together at the orchard. (laughs) (laughs) Bang. Uh, So, late night talk shows. (laughs) The explosion is back for a third week? (laughs) Yeah. Whoa. it's a lot of mileage out of that joke. (laughs) Well, there was a lot of gasoline came out of that guitar. Okay, okay, okay. okay, okay. So, uh, way, way back then, early television variety shows. Uh, We had late night talk shows as our topics. We watched a bunch of the old ones, watched a bunch of the new ones. I watched some of the black and old school black and white ones. Aren't they awesome? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll get into that. Uh, Included the Ed Sullivan Show, originally known as Toast of the Town, aired on CBS Sunday nights from 1948 to 1971. Wow. That's... Yeah, that's a run. It that was is. really big, <laughs> and it's just—it's so crazy. Like if you if you watch Ed Sullivan, there's absolutely no way that this guy would be on television nowadays. Uh, he'd be I mean, selling he, insurance. <laughs> yeah, and he was like—he was like the paragon of entertainment back then. It's a yeah. really big shoe, really big. <laughs> <clears throat> and then uh, there also was uh, the Texaco Star Theater, hosted by everybody's favorite uncle, Milton Berle. Yay! Which aired on NBC from 48 to 56. And then Jack Parr had The Tonight Show from 1957 to 1962, after replacing Steve Allen, who We're I both. think oh, go ahead. damn funny. Steve Allen is hysterical. Steve yeah, Allen both, is a riot. Both of those guys are very entertaining and, and deserve that spot. Jack Jack Parr is a much better interviewer, or was a much better interviewer, mm-hmm. but Steve Allen is just very talented. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I think that Jack Parr was the first of the talk show hosts to have the full package. Like, he was a great <laughs> interviewer. He was uh, funny. Honestly, all late night TV was, like, different after he appeared on the scene. Yeah, I, I, I think everybody like followed the pattern that he initially established. Well, he was well, the first one to, to understand that, you know, make your guests the focal point instead of yourself. Yeah, well, I mm-hmm. mean, he, he's he's funny and he ha- they had 
he, like you said, Josh, he was he was really good at directing the attention to the guests. He was funny, but he wasn't funnier than the person sitting on the couch next to him when he needed to be. That's true. Like he does put a spotlight, and we'll talk about uh, one of the current talk show hosts. That is a true strength of his as well, All making right. the guest look good. Yep. So, uh, longtime guest host Johnny Carson took over the Tonight Show in 1962. And uh, the show was renamed The Tonight Show, starring Johnny Carson. Ed McMahon <laughs> uh, served as Carson's announcer from 62 to 66. The band was led by Skitch Henderson, who hired, among others, Doc Severinsen. When Henderson left, Milton DeLug took over. Severinsen took over in 67 and served as band leader with the NBC Orchestra. The show originated from NBC Studios in New York, with part of Carson's shifting the show towards more entertainment-oriented. It moved to Burbank, California in 72. And then it, he went from uh, 1962 to when? To when? 1992. 30 yep. years, yes. man. That is a hell of a run. And he was <clears throat> brutal when he, if someone was not being entertaining on the show, like he was in some ways the opposite of Jack Parr, like he would keep the uh, interview going so long as it was entertaining, but he would like cut them short. He would not laugh at their jokes if they weren't funny. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, and he, and he, I think because of that, that's why his show was so good is because nobody would want to sit there and listen to somebody, you know, you don't want to sit there and watch TV, watch the show and watch somebody crash and burn. And he, and, kinda, and he, yeah, he did and he it had for the that man like, him. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, no, I'm Go saying ahead. he did it for, for his show and for them, because if he cuts them off, they're not going to make an ass of themselves on TV trying to save themselves from whatever hole they dug themselves into. You know, so he cuts them off and they go on to the next segment. So that way, at least, oh, they were okay. It's not that, oh, he they kept rambling on. So what were we going to say, Pat? Oh, no, I was going to say he was well known for basically having the attitude is you're not going to come into my house and, and shit on my furniture. It's like you, you, you bring your A game if you're coming in. I'm not going to support anything less than that. And that's why, like, everybody in Hollywood knew, like, if you went on Carson and you got his approval, that meant something. I mean, he, he, he made and broke careers on that show just because if, like, like if a stand-up comedian went on the show and he laughed at them, then, you know, that was like giving them the thumbs up. And if he invited them over to the couch, then they basically, that was like, they were like in the club. Yeah. yeah, that and was a, a a litmus test, as it were. Yeah, uh, one of the more famous bits was he was notorious for not socializing with his guests outside of their time on the couch, and everybody was shocked when he visited Orson Welles' dressing room to say hello before the show. Well, I mean, yeah, it's kind of shocking on one side, but then again, it's Orson fucking Welles. Well, yeah, and <laughs> yes. that was the thing is like that shows how difficult what it took to impress Johnny Carson was that the employees of The Tonight Show were surprised that he bothered to like socialize with Orson Welles. Yeah. Oh, Johnny. Um, I, <laughs> I don't know what that was. But I don't know either. I was my, he was found my, the third impression that he can do. The worst, the worst Citizen Kane ever. Um, I said Citizen Kane? I thought you were about oh, to tell wait. us. Never mind. Scratch that. <laughs> I, I thought he was about to ask who lives in a pineapple under the sea. <laughs> oh, who lives in a pineapple under the sea? Um, no, I, I just remembered growing up, Carson was... Like if I was sick or I was, it was a weekend and, and there was nothing going on. I mean, watching Carson was always something on my to-do list. I mean, you know, there wasn't that many channels, but I always enjoyed watching it. And, and it just got a soft spot in my heart for, for Johnny Carson. I think all of us kind of grew up with him. Yeah. Um, yep. And we kind of 
saw a different side of celebrity because of it, you know, because all we saw was the TV shows and the movies. We never got to see them, the real people behind it, because the magazines and the oversaturation with the the entertainment media and everything wasn't out there. So that was our only access. And it was kind of unique. And he did it in a way that was very entertaining. You know what else I like is when some actors and actresses, specifically actresses, knew when they could screw with Johnny. Now, Pat or Josh can help me out on this. Who was the one who flashed Johnny Drew Carson? Barrymore. Yeah. No, That was no. David Letterman, though. No, no. Johnny, somebody flashed Johnny Carson. It was like oh. back in the black and white days. Yeah, it was really early. I, I can remember vaguely it being played on one of the best of clips with like the axe thrower. Yeah, and it yeah. was like I didn't even know you were Jewish. Yeah, yeah. It's where he comes. He comes over. Or she or she walks past his. She comes out from behind the curtains, walks past his desk, turns, opens her coat, closes it, and all you hear is Johnny over the car, over the microphone. Oh, goes, Madonna. No, no, it wasn't yes. Madonna. No, no, I just looked it up on Google. I'm looking it up too, trying to see if I could find the one yeah. you're talking about. Also, but she's the only one that said. I looked up Johnny Carson flashed. That's the only one that came up. So, uh, um, it seems to me like it's like it was a long time ago. Well, so. I mean, that was a long time ago, I suppose. But yeah, but, yeah. but I know I it was her that walked by and did that because I swear ah. it was a black and white. So anyway, but how how you know that sort of thing? Like in the other the other thing that I watched, I watched some of the old old school uh, Johnny Carson's and the one with Frank Sinatra and um, Hockey Puck. I just lost his name. You Hockey Puck, Drew Don Rickles, Don Rickles, and and Sinatra. When Don, oh, wow. when, when Don Rickles ki- kisses Sinatra full on the mouth in the show, and, and, and you can see in Carson's face, he's like, I can't stop any of this. This is just, this is going to go where it's going to go. And Don Rickles may be dead by the night is out because this is back in like 1974 when Sinatra was the, the gold chains and shirt unbuttoned down to his navel type. <laughs> you know, one of my favorite things about Carson was, uh, he, when he laughed at his own stuff, um, because it, there was something very charming and endearing about that, especially when he did like Karnak, the Karnak bit, and he would laugh at his own jokes, or if they weren't funny, you know, he would acknowledge it. And I think it was almost more entertaining when the joke bombed, or or you know, yeah, I, I've I've told you time and again that I think you, that's your Carson qualities. You're funnier when your jokes fall apart. Well, and and well, seeing his reaction was always just priceless, and I always look forward to when that happened. Kind of like I mean, David Letterman did something sort of similar with the top ten list, but. Carson did it best, I think. So, thank you, Pat. You're as good as Carson is his worst. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's pretty good, still. That's pretty yeah, sturdy. That's better than a hell of a lot of people out there right now, so. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, Mike, how about, is, was it Shelly Winters you're thinking of? Yes. Yeah. Shelly Winters. She was walked, wearing a fur coat and nothing else. And she nothing else. Yeah, and, and, and all you hear is Johnny Carson go, please, Shelly, don't do this. That's <laughs> <It's>, just <laughs> like, like at that point, his whole career flashed before his eyes, and he's just like, oh, for the love of God. <laughs> so It's Shelly Winters. And yes. one of my uh, big memories of Carson comes down to three words. Dr. Joyce Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. Oh, yeah. She was, was on the show all the time. Yeah. Yep. And they were always entertaining. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, and you wouldn't have thought that like a pop psychologist would have been like one of the best parts of late night talk TV show, but she really was. <laughs> it's just because she's this like four foot eight woman who's talking about sex in a very frank manner and just is very, very charismatic to watch. Uh, and that accent. Oh, wait, no, I'm yeah. thinking of... Um, yeah, you're, yeah thinking you're thinking of, of Dr. Ruth. Oh, yeah, you're Dr. thinking Ruth of Dr. Ruth. Dr. Joyce Brothers was just... Uh, a, a psychologist and she was that's just that's right yeah. yeah 
Also, Sorry, just very entertaining, I, though. I, I'm glad you you spoke out of that because I was getting really confused about what I. Sorry, watched I just again. got back from Oswego and I was really just. <laughs> and boy, are his arms tired. It's a base. Just I don't yeah, know. Yeah, he didn't fly there. He walked there on his hands. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, are we ready to move on from Carson? I mean, I yes. don't want to, but yeah. Well, let's talk about some of the stuff that popped up in the '80s. I mean, well, I mean, some of the other bigger shows back then um, was the Merv Griffin Show, which I don't think I've even seen too many. I, I haven't seen enough segments to consist of a whole show in my lifetime. Uh, but when you're, you're Merv Griffin, though, you you just get to say like, "I'm going to have a talk show," and nobody's going to stop you. That's true. Yeah, that's certainly a thing. And then uh, the Dick Cavett show, which is another one that I was astounded to see that the guy from Beetlejuice was in. Yeah, he that the Dick Cavett show like moved all around different time slots and different networks. Like it started on ABC in the daytime, then they moved it to night, then to late night, then over to CBS in like '75. He had a show pretty consistently from like 1968 to like 1996. And then he had another show in 2006 to 2007. Yep. Which he, was, he was kind of like that generation's Craig Ferguson, like just kind of always on the second tier and, and always a good interviewer and just entertaining, but never for some reason just caught on with the general public. Mm-hmm. And a little bit weirder than you expected him to be. So. True, but, yeah. Yeah. But uh so yeah, so then we uh kick up into the eighties when we have the Arsenio Hall show started in January third, nineteen eighty nine, and uh ran till nineteen ninety four. And yeah, that definitely is a hallmark of those years, like the early 90s Arsenio. It's actually one of the things that I thought was uh, dated the movie Aladdin when uh, Genie busts into an Arsenio impression. Oh, yeah. At the time, I was like, no one's going to know who this guy was in 20 years. I guess that was wrong. Well, and then also, you know, beginning of Animaniacs, you have Bill Clinton playing the sax. That happened on Arsenio Hall, and he showed up a lot also, so... True story. Yeah, and this this would have been the time when I think all of us, at least for a couple of years, were in high school. So this this was big for us for nighttime uh, talk shows. Yeah. For so, me, it was the first one that I could, uh, for its entire run, like stay up to watch all of it. I mean, it's like after you know after Letterman came in and kind of took the younger crowd from Carson, then Arsenio came in and took the younger crowd from Letterman, and he just. I mean, he was young and hip, and I don't know what it was about that show, but it was darn entertaining. I think it was just the right time for it. I mean, at the time, you had uh, young MC and MC Hammer making that kind of like rap hip-hop thing accessible just as mainstream pop music. So I think people were ready for a black host who was tuned into that whole style of entertainment and just a couple years after Arsenio I think maybe even within a year in in Living Color was once again you got a variety show to rival uh, Saturday Night Live following the same pattern we're we're all looking up when Living Color started I heard some other tap in 1990 yeah okay so so right at that same time you know it was he was it was a hip hop a hip hop uh, talk show Basically, it had that kind of flavor to it, but it was accessible to anyone. Hmm. So I think your your analogy is very spot on. Yeah, definitely more the MC Hammer of talk shows rather than something. The world was not ready for like the public enemy of talk shows. <laughs> that would <laughs> not have, have flown. That would have been interesting. <laughs> so, 
But yeah, some of the other ones that were around then, we had, well, early years of David Letterman, which is uh, interesting because he just, you know, he just uh, quit, was it like two weeks ago? Yeah, it's got to be uh, almost exactly two weeks ago now. Yep. So he drops out. I never really watched Letterman too much at, in, in Late Night. I mean, it's I'm not, he wasn't one of the shows that I watched, but there's also Jay Leno and his chin took over the Tonight Show after uh, 92. Now, what did you guys think of the transition? Well, I, I don't want to completely steamroll over Letterman because yeah, I don't please. know if any, anybody else watched him. I know I did. Oh, sorry. Uh, I, I remember one of my favorite things about his bits is he had a very mm. different style of playing off when a joke went well or went poorly. I remember he f- would frequently he had the fake window scene behind him with yep. New York in the background mm-hmm. and he'd throw stuff behind him and there'd be a fake glass crash. Yep, and his he, uh his oh his uh pencils. Yep. Yep. And I, I for me, I mean, I used to watch it a lot me and and Matt uh Massey, we used to always uh talk about Letterman and watch Letterman and and uh he always seemed like like our kind of humor, I guess, you know, he, he kind of was more in tune with what we thought was funny. And the guests he had on were more people that we were interested in. I mean, we talked about, and I sent you the link earlier and Josh, you know, had mentioned that, uh, you know, every time Crispin Glover came on, it was a train wreck, but it was a beautiful thing to watch. Um, and he had a lot of people on like that and all of his musical acts were always, you know, even today up till he retired. I mean, all of his musical acts were the latest and greatest thing even before they hit big. And he seemed to have his finger on the pulse of, you know, what was going on with, even when he got older with the younger, younger generation. And uh, like I said, his, his timing, everything about him was a little different, but it worked. Yeah. Uh, do you remember stupid human tricks? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, uh, now that I'm thinking about it, I think I will actually watch more than I expected. <laughs> One of my favorite bits when he was doing stupid human tricks is they got access to like a, an industrial press and they just started crushing stuff. <laughs> and when they put a canned ham sealed in that press and it just oozed out the side, it looked like they'd put a human head in there. It just <laughs> everywhere. I, I could just the image of it is still vivid in my memory. Well, and then he used to go like to the the uh, convenience store that was just downstairs from his the studio, and he would interview the guy there, and he did uh, stuff outside of the studio, not just inside. And he had this whole running cast and crew of people that I think actually worked there, but that became celebrities on their own because he he left the actual stage, which was kind of unusual. And he'd go in the hall or he'd go do other things outside and uh, or he'd have other people do it. And then his top 10 list, of course, are notorious. Mm-hmm. Well, basically what Letterman did was he, he, he had he, he had he had a, a, a talk show that looked like a talk show, but it didn't behave like a talk show. It's like, you know, every, everybody got, got this idea of what a talk show was in their head because Johnny Carson had been doing it so long and so well. And then he just kind of came around and said, well, I'm going to do the same thing, but I'm going to change everything up just a tiny little bit and fuck with all your heads. <laughs> which um, which talk show was uh, was his name uh, from Saturday Night Live on the Chevy Chase? The Chevy no, Chase show? Not not Chevy Chase. The the one who everyone thinks he faked his own, faked his own death. Oh, Andy Kaufman. Yeah, was he on was he on Letterman when he got beat up by the wrestler? Uh, yeah, that was Letterman. Okay, you sure? I thought that was somebody uh, obscure. Like it might have even been uh, <clears throat> Dick Cavett. It might have been, but in the movie they did it in Letter in, on Letterman. Okay, then uh, I'm probably just remembering it wrong. Jerry Lawler slaps Andy Kaufman on David Letterman. Okay, yeah. Uh, was Andy Kaufman beaten up for us? Yeah, it looks like it's Letterman. Hmm. So, at that, what, are, what was the thing that I remembered? Oh, uh, that his pencils in the cup. 
Yes. You know how he's always chucking the pencils around? Had erasers at both ends. Huh. So that way, in case he chucked one out in the audience, you know, you couldn't really get too hurt by getting a pencil in the eye. So they had a rubber on either side. So maybe Paul Schaefer's glasses were not protective after all. The <clears throat> mm. <laughs> glasses, they do nothing. Did anybody else get weirded out when Paul Schaefer went full bald? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah a little bit. It was like Mr. Clean's Geechee uncle who had a windowless van. <laughs> but talk about a charismatic band leader. I mean, even more than Doc Severinsen, uh, Paul Schaefer was really a part of the show that you couldn't do the show without. And it, have you ever really like looked at his career? What a what a career that guy has had. Yeah. He has well, he worked was, on every. I mean, he's worked on everything from from albums to movies to TVs to. I mean, pretty much anything in media. He's done. Well, he's a huge. It. He was a big session guy, and and it, whenever it seemed like it must have been written in the contract that anytime Letterman had a musical guest on, well, not anytime, but the majority of the time back in the earlier days, the uh, they would have the house band back him up in some way, and usually he was he was the one guy that was almost always playing along, and he would be rocking out looking really weird, but. Um, <laughs> some some bands later on wasn't like that, but it seemed yeah, to be. Paul Schaefer's one of those guys you'd rather listen to than watch, right? Although he did have a unique spot in television history. In 1979, Paul Schaefer was the first guy to drop an f bomb on Saturday Night Live. Really? Yep. I thought it was Charles Rocket. Nope. Hmm. What was the what was the situation? I thought it was Charles Grodin. Let's see. <laughs> Who had a show too? the uh, it was after the series cancellation in 79. Huh. That's kind of wacky. Yeah, I don't know if uh, because Char- I remember Charles Rocket was famous for saying it in anger and getting in trouble for it. Uh. Yeah, because it was at the end at the end of the show, and they had just done a Jr. skit, and he had played Jr. and he got shot in the skit. And at the end of the show, he was like, "I just want to know who fucking shot me." Yeah, I don't remember That's- Paul Schaefer saying it though. <laughs> yeah, and apparently that skit was in 1980 and a- oh, 1981, so two years earlier. Paul Schaefer dropped an F-bomb. Huh, interesting. Thank you, Wikipedia. (laughs) (laughs) Proud sponsor of 40 Going and 14. (laughs) Give us a call, Wikipedia. We'll do it. Yep. (laughs) So I'm going to have to work with Snowden. Oh, wait, that's Wikilinks. (laughs) (laughs) Not all wikis are the same. (laughs) It says you. So, Jay Leno now. Yeah, Jay Leno. I remember there being a big hoo-ha. He's got a big hoo-ha? He is a big hoo-ha. Oh. Yeah. If you look at his chin in the right way, it, yeah. looks, it looks like a big hoo-ha. Um, I, I know there's a lot of people that, that hate on Jay Leno. and They are correct. Two things, <laughs> two, yeah. Two things I will say in his defense. Okay. I mean, he may not be cutting edge and everything, but he, he does. He is funny. I agree. And, I mean, he, he used to be very, very funny back before he became a corporate guy working for The Tonight Show and everything. Like, if you watch some of his early stand-up, just really funny stuff and very, I mean, almost edgy. Not quite like a, you know, a Lenny Bruce or anything. I mean, he wasn't that crazy, but. Sure. And then, and then he completely whitewashed everything about himself when he went to The Tonight Show. But, I mean, hell, you give me that much cash and I will pretty much do whatever you want. So, I can't blame the guy. I don't know. I, I just after years of watching him devolve further and further into stuff to make sure grandma laughs, just he was the equivalent of like unflavored oatmeal after a while. And I found myself more embarrassed for him than laughing, especially as I got into watching the guy we're going to talk about next. Yeah, I mean, Our, Leno, Leno, I mean, he it, it was kind of a shame to watch him almost neuter himself. Mm hmm. 
Because he really, I mean, I'm serious. He was, his early stand-up stuff, he, he was really funny. Make Grandma Laugh? Oh, yeah. The the stuff he did was like pandering to the lowest common denominator of middle oh. of the road. Okay. Yeah, their target see, audience was, you know, 40 and above. See, that yeah. that made me, me made my brain, because I would stay up late night and watch, you know, Benny Hill with my grandma. So you also had a, a, a very strange grandma that we all love. <laughs> True story. Yes. Um I don't hate on Leno. I, I used to watch Leno on, on there and I, I enjoyed him. I didn't watch him, you know, too much after he took over, but I liked what I saw and I never had a problem with him. So I don't get all the hate, I guess. I, I just think, how do you follow up Carson? That's the thing is that you really can't, you can't really take all 30 years of Carson and be like, hey, here's a new guy. And you know, no matter what he does, it's not going to match up. It's not going to meet. I think the biggest problem with Leno, honestly, is that he never wanted to put his own footprint on the show. He just wanted to take over a successful show and keep it going. And he never wanted to take any risks. He never wanted to do anything outside the box. All he ever wanted to do was just keep the gravy train going. Yeah, and I think that's that's the key there is he did not want to be edgy enough. He was uh, afraid of losing sponsors, afraid of losing viewers. And the next guy had the opposite problem, much as I yep. love him. Let's go to him then. Unless we're, are we done with Leno? I'm done yeah, with him. I'm done with Leno. Conan O'Brien. Love the man to death. But I, I will reluctantly admit his Tonight Show, while I loved it, I was not the target audience anymore. This is if Jay Leno was making the average, not Mike's grandma laugh, Conan was scaring the crap out of her. Because or just stuff, confusing the crap out of her. Or just confusing her, yes. <laughs> I don't understand what's going on. <laughs> Turn Jay Leno back on. He's like malted meal. Where's um, the fat guy with the naked ladies? I love Conan O'Brien. I unabashedly have the utmost respect, and I still think he's hilarious. And the guy is uh, an amazing writer. And I I remember watching the very first episode, and when... when uh, Dan Rather, or was Dan Rather, Brian Williams walks out and crushes a bunch of salting crackers in his hands, threatening Conan O'Brien for trying to be on his network. I, I was sold right there, and I knew it was going to be a good show. And anytime it's on, if I have nothing else to do, I'll watch it, and it's it's still funny. I was sold on Conan O'Brien after the ep- I I'm not sure if it was on the Conan O'Brien show or when he was took over, but the one where he knocks him and Andy get into a fight and they wind up falling in the pool. <laughs> so... I mean, that's one of the I think the best thing about that show are the skits that they do or anything that they do off set, because honestly, most of the stuff they do on set, like like when they plant things in the audience and stuff like that to do things, those that kind of fall flat a lot. And and his, I mean, he's not the greatest interviewer because he he doesn't know how to not try to steal the spotlight and make and 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 make the funnies for everybody because he just wants everybody to laugh all the time. Sure. But I think their I think their strength is always in the stuff that they do off the set. Personally, I, I will say he is nearly unparalleled in the art of the self-deprecating comedy. Yes. Yes. Yep. He is. <clears throat> now, him on Tonight Show versus him and the whole what whole uh, thing that happened with Conan. What did he went to USA for a while? Well, no, he's uh, basically that. That's almost moving us to the second half of the show because well, he had his own show and then he got the Tonight Show when Jay Leno. Basically, the deal was that Jay Leno would get the slot after the Tonight Show and he'd continue to do late night TV. 
But uh, if he wanted The Tonight Show back, he could get it. And that was in the contract, and no one thought he would ever be a big enough dickbag to exercise that option. And lo and behold, I, I honestly think that that's really where a lot of the hate came for Jay Leno when he decided, hey, my new talk show isn't doing so well, so let's kick Conan O'Brien out of his dream. Yeah, I changed my mind. I don't want to leave that show. I want to go back. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it led to one of my favorite lines that Conan ever uh, ever said. And I can't remember. I can't. It was like it was like six months or so after he had left the Tonight Show, and he was talking to to one of his guests or something. And they said, and, and he talked about how America is so great. He's like, he's like, you can. Ha- uh, he's like, if you can dream it, you can achieve it, and you can have it. He's like, and, he, and then he looked at the camera. He's like, unless Jay Leno has that same dream. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I watched every one of his last Tonight Shows, and he just straight did not give a fuck anymore nope. <laughs> and that's and a he great was, person to stop giving a shit is him because you oh. know it only gonna, it's only gonna get awesome after that and, and like that whole that whole tour he did when he was having like his little mini meltdown afterwards you know oh which made a great and everything and just went nuts made a great documentary too about that yep. whole thing and this is the second controversy because uh, when uh, Johnny retired, Letterman thought he was getting The Tonight Show. Yep. Well, there's another great movie with that about that, too. It was a yeah. for TV, Late but it was still person. very well done. Yeah. So, well I mean, done. you say you don't get the hate for Jay Leno. I mean, there it is. Okay, uh, well. A lot yeah, of people I don't gotcha. like him because he seems like he wants to act like he's the nice, friendly, everyman. And he's not going to, you know, he, he's like, I don't want to rock the boat and all that kind of stuff. But he has everybody in his staff go behind and, and fuck everything up for well, him. So he it, doesn't have to be the bad guy. He's not going to he's not going to rock the boat because he's just going to grab you and chuck your ass off. And that really <laughs> doesn't rock the boat much at all. But he's going to pay somebody to do it is what he, he he never gets his own hands dirty. Yeah. He's too busy driving one of his 6000 cars. <laughs> yeah. Who put the Char- Charles Grodin show in there? I just had to throw that in there because you guys seem to love him, and he had his own talk show briefly, so there you go. <clears throat> Merry Christmas. Charles Grodin show was awesome. I yes. wish they'd bring him back. I think he should have you have seen him lately? Now. I don't think he should be on television anymore. He's right He's right over there. He got him in my basement. He's what? Right they should have the, the new Charles Grodin show, and he should have... Uh, oh, damn it. I lost the name. Never mind. I fucked up my own Will Arnett is his co-host? <laughs> No. Boy, I would I would burn uh, that to the ground. Groden and Josh Groban would be his band leader, and it'd be the Groden Groban show with Will Arnett and Anne Bancroft. <laughs> and Anne Bancroft on there? Oh, no, I think we're ready for a break. Yes. Yeah, I think. Well, and when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, who's running the late night talk show world now, and what's happened since like the late nineties. You know, as we do. Yes, and we will be back soon. Da, 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 da. We'll be back <laughs> after these messages. Yes. everybody we are back to talk about late night now so uh we're going 2000 up that we talked a little bit beforehand about conan on the tonight show and why uh jay leno was a dick and uh why conan went to tbs 
Yeah, so, so did anyone besides me watch a whole lot of Conan on TBS? <clears throat> oh, yeah, yeah. I, I recorded it every night for a while. Yeah, I watched it religiously for like the first two or three weeks when he uh, did the new show. And I still, I don't know. I, I think that my late night viewing has kind of changed. I don't know if this is the case for you guys. But it seems like late night TV used to be the way you participate in culture in some ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the internet. Keep up, keep up with pop culture and so yeah. on. Yeah. And it seems like the internet has kind of taken over that role. So frequently, if I'm consuming late night talk show TV stuff, it's through like next day t- uh, clips on YouTube or whatever. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And I definitely have kept up with Conan through that. Like a lot of the stuff he puts up on his Twitter or puts up uh, on his Facebook fan page, whatever. I'll, I'll watch all those videos. Yeah, I, I watch almost every clip they put on their Facebook page. Yeah. That almost seems to be the way uh, talk shows are distributed now because they know whether it's Jimmy Fallon or Conan. Yeah, they just go viral. Yeah, because it's they realize that so many people are cutting the cable and not going to, you know, they're not going to watch CBS on a Saturday night or CBS on a Friday night anymore. Because why would you put that on when you can go to Netflix and choose whatever the hell you want to see or go to YouTube and look up some old stuff and that sort of thing? So they're jumping to taking the best parts of the shows and sending them to uh, YouTube. Uh, well, and it well, works. The, the, yeah, the thing is, like things like Netflix and DVRs pretty much kind of kind of signaled the death of late night talk shows as we knew them, because the purpose of them used to be people would watch them at night while they were in bed, getting ready to go to bed or whatever, you know, just you know, and it was kind of like a wrap up of the day's events. And now right. it's like you, people watch them, you know, three o'clock in the afternoon, you know, when they're sitting at their desk at work when they're supposed to be working or something, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, so it, it's completely changed the, the the entire landscape of what a late night talk show is supposed to be. Yeah, and it used to be. Oh, sorry, Joel. Oh, I was going to say, and, and Jimmy Fallon is the king of of the viral clip. Yeah. Yeah, I gotta right. admit that I have changed my mind on Jimmy Fallon. I used to hate him, and I actually like him now as the host. Which which clip changed your mind? Uh, it was kind of a combination of a bunch of them, but a, lo- a lot of those music clips that he did, like the "All I Want for Christmas Is You" played on the kids' toys. And, oh yeah, uh, that was. Uh, and then there was another one that uh, he and oh. the band. Just all the videos that he and the band do. Pretty oh, much, the one- you just love Questlove. That's all. When he yeah. did uh, the Sesame Street theme song. Yeah, that one was really good. I mean, they're all gold. I mean, they're really good. I mean, his band is the Roots. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, that is awesome. <laughs> that's a good get. <laughs> and I was talking in the first half of the show about someone who had that Jack Parr kind of quality where he makes everyone else who's on his show look better. That'd be Fallon. Yeah, I was hoping that's who you were going to talk, who you were going to say, because that's one of the things that I did notice about him is that he's got that quality of he's funny, but he lets the guests be funnier. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's ab- a shit interviewer, but he covers it up with a lot of charisma and a lot of the ability to let them take the lead. Yeah. yeah, and where else are you going to see um, God, some of the things the uh, the lip sync battles? Yeah, you see <laughs> Emma Stone. Emma Stone lip-sync. is by far my favorite for several reasons. Oh, yeah. well, amongst yeah. them being the uh, the lip sync battle uh, and the um, when Steve O was on, I think it was Steve O was on there, and they were doing a uh, shot battleship. Did say Mike likes Emma Stone so much he went and saw Aloha? No, well, I, oh, you don't like her that much. I don't like her that. No, no. <laughs> and who was the one? Nobody guy likes that much. <laughs> <laughs> who was the guy that was on there that rapped and was like really, really good? Oh, that was uh, Harry Potter. Oh, that's right. Oh, it was, yeah, it was uh, Daniel, Daniel Radcliffe. Daniel that Radcliffe awesome. doing. Oh, the Alphabet Song. Yeah, yeah, that was amazing. And and you know the thing is, uh, we I after watching that, Katie's like, well, what does the original one sound like? So I, we went to like the uh, him them doing it live. 
I have to say Daniel Radcliffe did it better. <laughs> and and what was what was the, I'm trying to remember what the other thing is. The, the he does the uh, the lip sync battles are a regular thing. He does the games. He does the oh, well the gosh. family. He does a lot of Family Feud type stuff. Yeah. Um, oh, um, Will Ferrell and uh, Dave Grohl in the drum drum off. Oh, Chad Smith. Oh, Chad yeah, Chad Smith. Smith from Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're twins doing doing the uh, doing the drum. That off. was and, funny. Yeah, that was. I mean, and, and that's the thing is like he he lets them take over, and he also has that little bit of pushing the bizarreness, like when Harrison Ford pierced his ear for him. <laughs> Did you see that one? <laughs> no. Yeah, because Harrison Ford's there, and he's piercing. He's got all the whole kit, and then he doesn't use the gun. He's got the gun there to pierce his ear with, but he's like, no. And he picks up that needle, and, he, and he's like waving it in front of his face, like, this is what we're going to do. And he, the whole time, Harrison Ford's tone of voice is like, stop being such a pussy. You know, and then he jams <laughs> this needle through his ear and gives him this long, like, six-inch-long purple feathered uh, earring. And then Harrison Ford takes out his earring and puts the purple feather thing in his ear, too, and then spoons jimmy fallon and just... <laughs> sounds about right yeah which also made me realize that harrison ford is still awesome so yeah did, did you ever see the clip by the way of uh david blaine doing magic doing card magic in in harrison ford's kitchen yes yes, yes. get the fuck out of my house <laughs> uh jimmy kimmel eh? jimmy kimmel is i mean uh, he's one of those he's one of those guys that just kind of in the background just silently doing his thing not getting all the attention but he's been doing it longer than any of these guys. Yeah, he yeah. has. Ever since and the Man Show. No, that what? Yeah. Well, like, yeah, he was yeah, with right. Adam Carolla. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Right. The only um, thing I know Jimmy Kimmel for is is Sarah Silverman, and I've never been right? a fan of his. He looks well, like he's trying he's trying to ignore a really bad fart all the time, though. <laughs> <laughs> he's got that look on his 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 resting face is like that. Oh God, that smells bad. Well, Guillermo uh, never showers. Wait, so. what were you trying to say, Josh? I was going to say when he and Silverman were breaking up, and she did the music video for his show of "I'm Fucking Matt Damon." <laughs> yes, and then he responded months later with "I'm fucking Ben Affleck" and <laughs> yes, shot a music yes. video with him. Hilarious! Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Are any of you guys a Craig Ferguson fan? Oh yeah, yeah. I am now. Oh good, yeah. Because I I started watching. I've known of Craig Ferguson from long ago, but never really watched the show too much. Then for the stand-up show, I wound up watching him uh, for his couple of uh, stand-up routines that he did. And then I went back and started watching all of his late-night shows. That dude is weird. The uh, but moment... he is very funny. Yeah, he is. I mean, he's he's like that like that upstanding, you know, like that. He reminds you of the teacher at in high school who's, you know, always got the tie tied up, always very strict and proper and that sort of thing. But when he goes off, he's just like no stopping him. Yeah, there's one particular moment that sold me completely on Craig Ferguson. He decides that he is going to see exactly at what point the censors will step in. And he gets a pen and a big piece of paper and he starts to draw a penis very, very slowly <laughs> to see at what point the censors are going to blur it out. What When does it actually become something unacceptable? <laughs> <laughs> I want to see that. That's funny. Oh, oh he, it's awesome. He did, he did another thing, a whole, a whole uh, opening monologue, two and a half minutes of him talking about something that he sh he's not allowed to talk about, where he was talking about adjusting his joint, uh, adjusting his pants in public. <laughs> and he's having this entire conversation without saying anything and being able to, he's the dare before the show was, can you talk for two minutes about something that you're not allowed to talk about on TV? And he and he tiptoes around the entire thing. Now, the other thing I really enjoy are his opening songs. 
Oh, yeah. With First off, you got the big black dude. Then you got this uh, little skinny white dude in the bondage gear. And the robot's... Uh, what's a robot skeleton's name? Jeff. Uh, Jeff, yeah. Yeah, Jeff. I mean, it's... it. My my favorite part of Craig Ferguson is always watch it was watching him flirt with the women that would come on his show. Oh, just yes. unabashedly oh, yeah. flirting with them, <laughs> and and like there's an entire video on YouTube of just nothing but him and and the women he's interviewing and just awkward silences as they're both just kind of staring at each other like all flirtatiously and like weirdly and it's just really funny. <laughs> And it's, it's like nothing but 12 minutes of silence, just about, but it's just really funny. But he's got that goofy smile, too. Yeah, just the two of them, like, always just looking at each other, just like, mm-hmm, you know, like. And then, randomly, funny. Secretary at the Puppet Horse comes out and dances. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good stuff right there. Cause that's, and he was on Late Enough at Night that if you were up watching him, you were pretty slap-happy yourself. Yeah, exactly. So he was uh, playing to his audience. Yeah. And he's, he's perfect for that. And the openings with those puppets coming out. And did you see the uh, the one where he did um, Addicted addicted to Love for the opening song? No. He does Addicted to Love, but it's him, uh, the, the big black dude, the bondage guy, and this Mexican midget all come out, and they're wearing the black dresses, and they had their lips painted like twice as big on with lipstick. And Rosie O'Donnell is lip-syncing the song. And it is so weird because he does he does nothing through the entire thing except stand in the background, fake playing a guitar. But it is so disturbing because it, the the midget looks like a young Hervé Villachez. <laughs> <laughs> and then the puppets have these huge lips on. Also, it's really just bizarre. But his, I mean, he does good interviews, but it's it's it, they're goofy. Well, and for his one thousandth show, it was the all puppet show. Really? Yes, he had a uh, cart, a puppet uh, crocodile named Wavy Rancheros hosting <laughs> the show. <laughs> so. He does seem kind of straight laced until you actually watch, and then you realize exactly how deep the rabbit hole goes. Yeah. Oh my God, that looks awesome! It's Kristen Bell and Jason Segal. Mm-hmm. Ah, yeah, Jason Segel has a Dracula puppet. Yeah, that's a, they've got the Dracula puppet up here on the on the thumbnail, but that's. I need to watch that on the list. <laughs> um, do we want to talk about the Daily Show? Do we treat that Does as a that talk show? Qualify? We probably should just because the whole uh, – we've got a rash of retirements going on right now, which is why this is topical. In addition to the aforementioned David Letterman, whose last show was kick-ass – yeah, that top ten was amazing. Yeah, that's the best part of that show. Yeah, <laughs> I love great. that the only person that he even really gave a crap about was Peyton Manning. Well, and also, I'm not entirely sure from Jerry Seinfeld's reaction that Jerry knew what Julia Louis-Dreyfus was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> Either that or he's learned how to act, finally. Yeah, because <laughs> in case yeah, you no. missed it, Jerry does, like, number seven or number eight. And later in the top ten, Julia Louis-Dreyfus comes back with the topic was top ten things I've always wanted to say to Dave. And Julia Louis-Dreyfus says, thanks, Dave, for allowing me to take part in yet another incredibly disappointing series finale. Oh. And they cut to Jerry Seinfeld, who does not look happy. <laughs> he's just like, like this, the whole what the fuck look on his face yeah. <laughs> well she's not wrong right <laughs> so I don't hate on the Seinfeld series finale but that's a whole other show in addition to the retirement of David Letterman we've also got Stephen Colbert 
And uh, the Daily Show, John Stewart will be retiring from the Daily Show. And uh, isn't what is John Stewart doing? I just saw something on TV. On isn't he? He's starting like a a thing for veterans to help them get into uh, TV. Really? Yeah, he's starting some uh, like like a boot camp for veterans to learn about uh, media and production and that sort of thing. Hmm. Yeah, which is pretty cool. I'm not a huge fan of his, but I still think you know it's that's a classy move. I I love John Stewart. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of his. Uh, he's definitely like I, I know that uh, it, it's going to depend somewhat on your perspective whether you're because he claims to be a moderate, but let's face it, he's left of center. Yeah. So, or depending on where you sit, you may like or dislike that aspect of his comedy more. But the guy, uh, he's been unafraid to go toe-to-toe with people he disagrees with. And I think by now they know that he's going to know their positions. So they'd better. Yeah, and, and I I love the fact that they, they you know, invite him into Fox News to interview him. And they think he's just going to lay down and, you know, and and be a funny guy and he just comes out with guns blazing and makes them all look foolish and they and, and from that point on they're like okay well i guess we got to take him seriously next time he comes over <laughs> cuz i mean they they were they were trying to call him to task on you know different things that he'd gotten necessarily you know not necessarily wrong but controversial things and they said, well, don't you have a, a greater uh, responsibility as a newscaster? And he's like, he's like, I'm not a newscaster. It's like my, my show is a comedy show. My lead in is puppets making prank calls. <laughs> and he, he's, he's like, I shouldn't know more about these subjects than you guys. And then he just ripped them all apart. <laughs> yeah. I have no thoughts on him. I love Jon Stewart and The Daily Show. I'm going to give the new version with Trevor Noah a chance, but I mean, considering all the correspondents are leaving at the same time, I don't, I mean, it's going to be a whole new reboot of the show. Well, and let's face it, the Daily Show really was at its height with Jon Stewart, but he wasn't even the first. No. Oh, no. He was, uh, what? I I was watching. Fourth, I think? Yeah, sounds about right. I know I was watching the Daily Show before Jon Stewart took over. Yeah, Craig Kilborn did it, and, um, God, who was, he, who was in between the two of them? There was somebody in between the two of them. Anne Bancroft. <laughs> Anne Canfield. And Margaret. I've played this game before. <laughs> See, the Daily Annie, get Show. your gun. Sorry. Uh, uh, Craig Kilborn. No, went from Craig Kilborn in 96 to Jon Stewart. Oh, okay. I thought there was somebody in between. Oh, oh I'm, may I, have... I'm thinking of the soup is what I'm thinking of. Oh, because Craig because Kilborn, Kilborn was on was that, on too. Both? Yeah. Yeah. Because Aisha Tyler was in between uh, on this. Okay, yeah, never mind. All right. Right. Completely different show. Yes. Um, So, yeah, in addition to that, we've also got Stephen Colbert, who is retiring from his show and taking over The Late Show. Hmm. So that's going to be different. Who's taking the Colbert report? They better be named Colbert. (laughs) Right, exactly. That's not going to make sense at all. Okay. Yeah, that dead ended the conversation. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I I, I, w- I thought that was a funnier joke than it was. I, I had the mic syndrome. So I don't know what to expect out of the Late Show with Stephen Colbert because he's obviously on his own show doing this character, this hyper caricature of a uber patriotic right wing American. And satirizing them, which is really funny when somebody's grandma doesn't get it and get all upset at something he says or agrees with him. Mm-hmm. 
So there's that. And I wonder how much of that character that he's built a lot of his career on is going to translate over. Or are we really going to be seeing Stephen Colbert as himself? We've seen bits of his personality as a geek start to shine through. Uh, he is world-renowned as a Lord of the Rings Tolkien scholar. Oh, my God. Oh, when in, he and Franco get in it. <laughs> no, I'm talking about when he's dressed up as Legolas. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, and James Franco tried to challenge him twice, and like yep. the second time, it was a savage beatdown. <laughs> I mean, it, it was such a beatdown. Franco didn't even get his entire question out before before he, he hadn't even pulled the trigger on the entire question before he was just slammed to the ground and shown the door. Right, and he was laughing. He knew how soundly he'd been beat. Yeah. Was that which which question was that one? I he know started what, asking him about. Um, I don't. I don't. It was so fucking far into the Tolkien shit. I don't even know what he was talking. Was about. Was it in the in the book supposedly that's supposed to be after Lord of the Rings? No, I think he was asking about the Valar. Yeah. Oh, okay. And uh, oh, yeah, Colbert is like, you need to be more specific. Do you mean X, Y, or Z? And lists them all. Yeah. And then gets up. <laughs> it's like you don't come into this house. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, by the end of it, he's yelling at him, and Franco's just cracking up. He's like, okay, you got me. You come I, into my house. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. <laughs> okay. Not a Tolkien scholar. But, I mean, Stephen Colbert, the, the whole time he was on The Daily Show, I mean, he wasn't playing the Stephen Colbert character then, so. You're starting to see it a little bit, though. I mean, yeah, yeah. as a correspondent. But I mean, we've at least seen glimpses of his personality aside from that character. So I'll be interested to see if he is Stephen Colbert as himself or how much of that personality is going to carry over into the late show. I I actually I wish him well because I mean he's one of the few people that you just don't hear a negative thing about at all. He's supposed to be one of the nicest guys in all of celebritydom, you know. So. And there was a famous late night three away fight scene between Stephen Colbert, John Stewart, and Conan O'Brien. Oh, I remember that. I think it was on Conan's show. Yeah. And it, it was, was it was like five minutes and it was hilarious. Chasing each other through all the halls and stuff. I got I I didn't even look that up. I haven't seen that in forever. So uh, apparently all we really know about Trevor Noah though is he's from South Africa and certain people don't like him. Yeah. But he's pretty funny. I mean I've seen him on a, a few episodes of QI because I like watching that show. It's a British show. And I mean, he's 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 a pretty funny guy, pretty you know, very intelligent, well spoken. Um, maybe not the best. I mean, the, the the biggest offense to me is that he doesn't, you know, like like the whole thing that everybody was offended about the, the comments he made. The problem with me for me was they just weren't funny. It's not that they were offensive; they just weren't funny. I said, I don't know. The end. Thing. I guess I will yeah. let you know I'm done. Adam, <laughs> I just looked him up though. Well, I mean, right. he basically stuff he'd said on Twitter was dug up and thrown uh, into his face. Uh, stuff yeah. that uh, was taken out of context. Or, and sometimes you're right. It's just like if you can get away with being a little offensive because you're being funny, that's different. And if you're just being an offensive jerk and it's not funny, it's fallen flat and you've taken a risk for no reason. Right. And that's kind of what some of that – because some of that humor, it was just like very juvenile type of like, oh, this person's fat. Let's make fun of them kind of – you know. And it was it wasn't even there was not even anything clever or artsy or anything like that to it. It was just really just juvenile. And he and I, I like I said I've seen him 
on a couple different shows, and I know that he's funnier than that. So it's like it's not like you know it's not like I'm reading Twitter reading readouts from somebody I went to high school with, and I'm like, oh, this guy's with, you know just half a retard, whatever, you know, no big deal. I expect that out of him. I mean, this guy's supposedly a, co- a professional comedian, and I've seen him be funny. So you expect a little more out of him. Well, and I think probably given where he's from, uh, he probably had to push boundaries to get noticed. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it has gotten him some serious press and it's gotten him. I mean, the path he's taken has gotten him into be leading the Daily Show. So can't really argue with that. Nope. I'm going to give him a shot. Yeah, I I am cautiously (laughs) uh, optimistic. We'll see what the show looks like with him. Well, I mean, Jon Stewart has made no bones that he supports him. Yeah. He hasn't he hasn't gone outright and just completely, you know, jumped on the bandwagon and championed his cause, but he definitely went on the show and said Trevor Noah's taken some heat and he doesn't deserve it. He's, you know, just give him a shot. You'll find that you'll like him. Right. Give him a chance to earn your trust and earn your respect. Right. Was the basic message. Cool. All right. So, um, damn it, Joel. What? The magic hour? We were supposed to talk about it earlier. <laughs> I, I, I think we, we avoided it on purpose. Well, yeah, the magic hour, the Chevy Chase show, those were all shows that stunk. There they we were shows. They yes. Were, yes, they were definitely shows, and they were on TV. We're watching Magic Johnson try and be intelligent and interview people. Oh, no, Craig. Uh, he just was terrible. It, it was it, so it bad. It's a man that has a 200-word vocabulary to interview anyone. <laughs> Right. And, and you know, 50 of those words are just variations on, eh. Na, 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 na. Um, <laughs> nice. And, and and the other 25 were all, you know, basketball terms. So I mean, the man is not smart. The man can play basketball like a maniac, but he's not smart. Yeah, it was it was bad. And I don't remember. I don't think I ever saw the Chevy Chase show, so I don't know why it bombed so hard. Was it just? He was, he was just too awkward with people. I mean, because Chevy Chase is, is like – as a person is like is like uncomfortable in his own skin, which is why he's just so unpleasant to be around. And just watching him try to like forge instant friendships with people that he didn't know how to do that with and, and like build a quick rapport was just it was just really awkward. I mean, one of his best friends in the world is Goldie Hawn, and he had her on on his first show and he couldn't even make that likable, like the two of them talking to each other. Like, this is one of your best friends. Yeah. All right. So um, one of the things that we're trying to step into a new uh, transition here is, Joshua, what, I forgot what I called it. <laughs> this is called. You called it a segment. <laughs> a segment. The problem. Fuck. He's like, we don't want to. Like, we had a new thing coming, and I don't know what it is. <laughs> but sure, I in, but I started it. Fumble through. And, and what I'm, do you mean? <laughs> make sure it goes to the end. No, it's a. Uh, <laughs> Remake Roundup, maybe? Remake Roundup. Let's call it that. So uh, what we're going to try and start doing is looking at remakes that are announced each week. And we're going to start it out with the announcement of two remakes that are dubious at best. Uh, They're going to be remaking Big Trouble in Little China with The Rock as Jack Burton. Well, I mean, they're obviously taking it a different direction. I like Dwayne Johnson. I, I, it's one of those movies that is nearly sacred to me, but I'll give it a shot. Yeah. It all depends. on. Are there going to be more uh, in the direction of Fast and Furious, or are they going to be more in the direction of Doom? That's the thing. Uh, well, I mean, I think they can get they could pull it off if they play it self-aware. 
If there if there's a little bit of self awareness in it, a little bit of tongue in cheekness, yeah, kind of, yeah. Well, it's also weird because we talked a lot about Big Trouble in Little China when we did the Kurt Russell show, and the key about that is that he wasn't the hero; he was the goofy American sidekick to the kung fu hero. I can't see The Rock as goofy sidekick. He's hero material, so. I don't know. Usually I'm bullish on stuff like this. I'm like, give it a chance. Let's see. I have my reservations about this one. I'll but I will, st- I will I will say this in his defense. His ego is not so big because you can't have a big ego in the WWE because there's always a point in every single match where you're going to be getting your ass beat by somebody. Yeah. yeah. No, so I, he's willing to be the, 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 the guy on the end as long as he comes out on top by the end of whatever it is. So Yeah, I agree with well, you on that. And I think that's the only redeem redemption this movie may have is the fact that he can play the guy who doesn't know what's going on, which is like we had said before, is what Kurt Russell plays. Jack Burton is a dude who's just along for the ride. He has no idea about any of this stuff and it's all the other you know, the rest of the guys that are helping along with him he's just the guy that we identify with i mean surely they're going to have a scene where he does some he tries to use his massive muscle to do something to like low pan and it doesn't work you know yeah. and gonna make a big deal out of you know now so. well maybe it'll have to do with who they get for his uh, for his co-star though you know who who's gonna play the other side of it yeah who's, be gonna will play, <laughs> who's gonna play who's gonna play uh, uh lacy not the kim uh yeah yeah i'm trying to think who would it be yeah. Zoe Deschanel. Ooh, well, I don't know. Maybe. Kim Cattrall role. There we go. I don't know. But the other, the second movie of Dubious Honor is they Disney has announced that they are going to be remaking Sister Act because oh. apparently somebody somewhere sent a letter, not an email. Yeah, Goldberg. Yeah, you did. <laughs> I haven't done anything. I'm sitting here, <laughs> sitting here on the crap. Another I'm playing, Sister Act movie. I'm sitting on the shit. I'm playing my mandolin. <laughs> what? Wait, what? Man. No, no, uh, uh, Hammer Dulcimer. That's it. Oh, that's much better. <laughs> there, yeah. was a, there was an interview years ago. I remember Whoopi Goldberg, they, they like toured her home, and she has a Hammer Dulcimer in her bathroom. So she's like, so when she's crapping, she's like, I just sit sideways and I play the Dulcimer with the hammers. Seriously? Seriously. I got a feeling you're fucking with us. <laughs> now, while I'm saying that you're not wrong in that feeling, but it, it, I do recall that. All right. <clears throat> so those are the two, uh, Big Trouble in Little China and Sister Act. Well, that new segment went flawlessly. <laughs> flawlessly. <laughs> Just like we practice it in rehearsal. Yes. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, we'll be returning as new things uh, are released, uh, as are announced, rather, as remakes mm-hmm. to this topic from time to time before we ask the question, what do we have on tap for next week, gentlemen? Well, we're going without Joel next week, unfortunately. Yes. He's going to be incapacitated. I think they're locking him away for, what, 72 hours? Is that what they said? Yes. Yeah. Joel's community service for Stone Snagglepuss. <laughs> what? Oh, that didn't happen even. I heard, I heard he was getting his lower intestine removed. <laughs> the three of us are going to take on the topic of MMOs, RPGs, uh, online role-playing games and uh, things of that ilk. Yeah, uh, so we'll be looking all the way back from the text-based muds and mushes of the early days of the internet yep. through World of Warcraft, and uh, uh, Pat and Mike and I are going to play some Guild Wars 2, and we're going to talk about how it's changed from the first time we played those sorts of games back in the early 90s. Yeah, and uh, if things go 
flawlessly, as new things tend to go with us. Yes. <laughs> we may have video of the three of us starting to play uh, Guild Wars, which, if it's anything like Josh and I playing uh, Saints, Saints Row 3. Saints Row 3. Yeah. It, you know, National it will Guard sound will amazing. Called in. It should sound, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it sounds awesome. We'll just describe you everything that happened. So, so be, be prepared to listen to a full hour's worth of nothing but cursing at the connections and wishing we could figure out what the problem is and so on and so forth. Good radio. Yes. <laughs> so uh, that, That'll be in the behind-the-scenes footage. Yeah. <laughs> so if you'd like to listen to some of our previous shows, you can always find our archives at iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, and TalkShoe, and other fine podcasting directories. And if you'd like to give us a call, uh, talk about some late-night TV moments we may have missed. Wonder what we were talking about when we were talking about the axe thrower on Johnny Carson, that sort of thing. You can give us a call at 708-NOW-RAP. 708-669-9727. Nice. Yeah. And if you happen to be testing a Bluetooth connection at a Nebraska furniture mart or an Ikea <laughs> on Saturdays at noon, tune in on Geek Life Radio and share it with the people around you. You know what? You can all kiss my ass. <laughs> <laughs> I don't wind up in these places on purpose. I just get told where we're going that day. So do I even. <laughs> Court, maybe. That's where I'm going. I take full responsibility for what I did. <laughs> you should. Okay, 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 okay. It is your fault. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good night. Now leading the world of Musings of a Geek Podcast Network. Stay geeky, my friends. Boy, are my hemorrhoids bad. <laughs> Why, Johnny? What happened? I shoved a red hot poker up my ass. I'm now, a Johnny. Cat we <laughs> talked about this. I just can't help it. it <laughs> I don't know where the hell I'm going with you. You hemorrhoids flare up. Preparation H. Get it nice and red hot now. Now available at Walgreens, Target, and all other fine pharmacies. Here's Timmy, you little scamp. What the fuck was that? I don't know. <laughs> we're, riff, we're riffing off each other. Let's never do that again. That's... So let's do that all the time.